0: Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2017. It is Mike Lyon coming to you live, as always, with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast, taking a look inside the world of Boston sports and uh, giving you the analysis and the stories that matter every morning on my commute to work. And as promised this week, my timing was a little bit off. I have to apologize for that up front. the uh, I told you this week was jam-packed yesterday, and I kind of gave you the outline for what we're going to do. And we're going to stick to that outline. Uh, today is Boston Bruins Day. The Bruins <clears throat> uh, are scheduled to begin play in the regular season this Thursday at home against the National Predators. Uh, my timing was a little bit off. The final roster cutdowns uh, are not due until today at 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, the podcast is being recorded approximately. This is, it's approximately 8:15 uh, a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the final roster won't be set until this afternoon. Uh, I apologize for that, but the way this week has gone or is going to go, there's just so much we got to talk about, so much we got to get to. Uh, so we're going to sk- stick to the schedule and uh, give you our best idea of what the Bruins roster is going to look like this evening. We've got a pretty good idea of it anyway. Uh, and we can certainly take a look at, at, at what they're going to be like in the grand scheme of things uh, in the Eastern Conference and in the, in the NHL as a whole. So today's Bruins Day. Uh, with any time left over, we'll get to a little bit of perhaps Patriots news, perhaps Celtics news. They played their first preseason game yesterday. Um, but the majority of the show today is going to be dedicated to the Bruins and their roster. Tomorrow, as promised, we will do a full ALC ALDS, excuse me, ALDS preview for the Red Sox. Uh, the rosters may or may not, may or may not be set before the show starts tomorrow morning. I don't think they're due until tomorrow afternoon as well. But uh, there's not a ton of suspense on the on, on the Red Sox roster. You kind of know what you're going to get there, and, and you certainly pretty much know what you're going to get from Houston. So tomorrow, all almost all Red Sox Thursday. A Patriots preview, perhaps a little bit more into Game 1 of the Red Sox series. Friday, Patriots recap and uh, resetting the table on the ALDS after the Game 1 winner loss by the Red Sox. So today, all Bruins, or mostly Bruins, let's get it going. So let's kick off the Bruins season preview with a look back at where we ended last year. The, uh, the Bruins, regular se- in the regular season last year, finished in third place in the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference with 95 points. It was behind division winner Montreal and second place Ottawa. Uh, went to the playoffs as the third seed in the Eastern Conference and uh, played a tough first round series against Ottawa. Generally was outplayed, I think, as a whole by the Senators in that series. The games were close. They could have gone either way. Uh, You can't really fault the Bruins' effort in the series. I just think in the end they lost to a better team. Uh, Ottawa ended up making the Eastern Conference finals that season, or last season, uh, before they went down to Pittsburgh, who eventually, of course, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, So the Bruins are looking to improve on that. They did make the playoffs after missing out on it the previous two years, so it was nice to see them back uh, at least getting some playoff hockey for a team that had uh, been a perennial playoff participant, or has been almost a a perennial playoff participant in most years since they've been in existence anyway, since the playoffs have been in existence. So the Bruins got back to the playoffs last year. It was nice to see some playoff hockey. Uh, I think the, the overall tenor of the Bruins team last year is that they were very, very strong up front in the front of the lineups. They had a really, really good line, and they always will have a really good line with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Most of the season last year was the two of them playing with David Pasternak, although that was due to uh, kind of reshuffling and and some injuries. It took a little while for them to set into that because Pasternak was hurt for some of the season. Um, and, but they were pretty good with that line. When David Krejci was healthy, his line was also fairly good. He was playing with uh, an awful lot of different guys last season. Um, but uh, David Krejci, a productive player when healthy, will continue to be a productive player when healthy. So the Bruins got some pretty good, and we're at least you know thought to think thought to excuse me have gotten some pretty good production out of their first couple of lines, uh, and certainly in the defensive in, in on defense, Zdeno Chara is losing a step, but he's still a really good penalty killer. He's still an imposing presence. Uh, he's still an upper echelon defenseman in the NHL like I said he may be losing a step he can't really keep up with uh, with with faster players anymore but what he lacks in speed he certainly makes up with in size and in leadership. Uh, so whoever's playing with with him, uh, the Bruins pairings are gonna be okay. Torrey Krug had a pretty good season a very good season in fact for the Bruins last year uh, making for uh, at least a solid offensive, uh, minded defensemen on the power play uh, in an overtime scenario. So the Bruins were pretty good at the front of their lineup. And of course, they have a very good goaltender in in, in Tuka Rask, who had a pretty good season last year, played a ton of games. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Uh, all things considered, still a top-flight NHL goaltender, playing on a long-term contract now. No reason to really think about what Tuukka brings to the table. Beyond the front lines, if you will, the front of the lineup, the Bruins were generally thought to lack depth uh, beyond what they could expect out of the likes of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and Tori Krug and David Krejci and those kinds of guys. And I think that kind of bears itself out in the statistics. They just they didn't get a lot of scoring beyond those guys. And they got a lot of defensive lapses beyond and even you know Chara probably had a down year by his standards. But certainly beyond the first pairing, the first pairing and a half on defense, the Bruins were prone to an awful lot of defensive lapses last year. So one of the things that the Bruins really need to, needed to focus on in the offseason was uh, creating depth for themselves and creating scoring chances and uh, defensive pairings that are going to last you know, beyond when uh, Coach Cassidy rolls out the first couple of lines and the first couple of pairings. And the Bruins did that in a somewhat unique way, not an unheard of way. But instead of going out to the free agent market, because, again, they, they, they've been burned by a couple of big contracts. Uh, the Matt Bolesky contract does not look good, although he looks like he's going to make the team. A little bit more on that a little bit later. Um, the Jimmy Hayes contract was a terrible one. And they, in fact, they bought him out. He's not on the team this year. thats That should be a surprise to absolutely nobody. Uh so they they've been burned by a couple of big contracts in the past, so they didn't go the contract route this year. So instead of going into the free agent market, the Bruins created depth from within and are really relying on a lot of young guys to create depth for themselves this season. And to be honest with you, if all reports in the preseason are and training camp are to be taken seriously, it worked. Uh, The Bruins have had a a ton of players, I guess is the best way of putting it. They've had a bunch of of players in Providence who have been uh, good, solid depth players for them for a while and and are really working themselves out uh, in in Providence and doing well there. Um, They've had some successful drafts in the past. They've really stocked that minor league club. And it certainly seems like they're going to rely on a lot of young guys this season to come in and not only fill those depth roles but fill some big roles as well. So there's a ton of young guys, there were a ton of young guys in training camp. They all didn't make the team. We're going to get into some of those, but you can be you can be sure that the Providence the the, the route between Boston and Providence is going to be paved with with guys shuttling back and forth between those two teams. So whatever roster you see out of uh, Bruce Cassidy and his coaching staff and Don Sweeney this afternoon don't expect it to be static for very long and hockey rosters are never like that I mean out of the four major sports hockey is the one that has the most constant I would say constant turnover uh, uh, among all spots in its roster just a, you know just constant you're constantly bringing guys up you're constantly having seen guys get hurt. Uh, you're constantly sending guys down to get more reps. You know, you, you've got healthy scratches in Boston that you want to get reps in Providence, and you've got guys in Providence who you want to give them a cup of coffee and then send them back down and, and, and see how they work out. Hockey rosters are very fluid. It's always like that. So be careful. You know, when, if, if you're paying attention to the the final roster announcement this afternoon, that's good. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I certainly will be, but don't take that face value, especially this Bruins team, because. There's a lot of talent there in Providence that is going to be on this team, and possibly possibly, uh, there's guys that are in Providence that that are going to start the year in Providence that are going to play a very big role in Boston before the end of the season. It's going to be that type of year for the for the Bruins, and it's exciting, quite frankly, because I'm telling you, I, I've said it before on this podcast, I'm going to say it again, I don't remember the last time the Bruins had this kind of an influx of, of young talent uh, ready to, or at least thought to be ready to participate on the big league club. Even when they when they won their Stanley Cup six years ago, and that was obviously a glorious season, they were relying on a lot of veterans that year. Uh, Patrice Bergeron was still, was a you know, he's been around the league for a while. I, I guess to say he was like a 25 year old veteran, but he'd been around the league a little, you know, even he had been on the team for a little while, but the team had guys like Chara, Tim Thomas was the goaltender, Mark Recchi, played a pretty big role for them up front. They had a lot of guys like that Dennis Seidenberg who had been in the league for, for, for several years. They had a lot of guys like that up and down that roster who uh, who were being relied upon you know a, as veterans and, and weren't really part of the, the youth movement. The, the youth movement was starting for the Bruins at that point but it hadn't really reached its it, where it is now that's for sure. And it, it, like I said, it, it just seems like the Bruins for forever have been relying on on veteran guys, guys that have been around for a while, guys that they've brought in in the off season. And that's not to say that this Bruins team won't be like that. I mean, the the, the most important forward on the team has been there for what a what seems like forever, Patrice Bergeron, and, and you know, there's no reason to criticize Berger or, or anything that he brings or anything that he's done. It seems like Brad Marchand has been there. I mean, Marchand was a 20-year-old rookie in 2011 uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. So he's been there a while. Chara's obviously obviously been there a while. Uh Tugarask has obviously been there a while now. So it's, it's not like this, this Bruins team will not be relying on veterans. But there's a ton of young talent up there that's going to be playing with these guys. And like I said, that's that's very refreshing to see the Bruins go in that direction. Criticize Don Sweeney all you want and some of it may be legitimate criticism. One thing you can't criticize him for is he's not hesitating to rely on young guys and to to trust young guys to play big roles on this team and and, and to kind of give him the keys to the kingdom for the future. So uh, kudos to the Bruins for focusing on the youth movement. You're going to see it a lot this season, and I think it's a good thing and a breath of fresh air for a franchise that could use it. So take a look at the team for the season as we're coming up. And again, we're, 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 we're sort of projecting this. In fact, we're not just sort of projecting this. This is what we assume, largely assume, is going to happen when the final rosters are set. Again, at press time or at, at, at recording time of this podcast, we don't have the, uh, the final roster set in stone uh, for the Bruins this season, but we're assuming or, or largely assuming this is what it is generally going to look like at least when the roster is set at five o'clock, if anything changes, anything big changes, we'll do our best to update you on that uh, as the week goes on. But with the forwards group, it starts up front. It starts with the guys I just mentioned: uh, the old reliables and Patrice Bergeron and uh, Brad Marchand are going to play. Well, depends on. I mean, what the Bruins like to say it's it's one of their top six. This line is one of their top six. Their top two lines are somewhat interchangeable. They don't have a first line and a second line. They have. These top two lines, uh, Bergeron and Marchand are standbys. They had a, both had great seasons last year. Marchand especially had a great season, made the All-Star team, scored a few goals in the playoffs. Um, Marchand is a pest for certain. You wouldn't want to play it. You don't like playing against him. Pretty much everybody else hates him. But when he's on your team, you really love to see the kid play. He, he's a worker. He scores goals. He takes penalties. He 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 fights penalty. He, he does penalty kills. Sometimes he does everything you could ask. The only guy who might do it better on him than this team is Patrice Bergeron, who is one of the best face-off guys in the league. Uh, a Lady big winner, a Selke, a multiple-time Selkie winner as a two-way forward. The heart and soul of the forward group for this for this team for some time. There is no reason to expect that to change, barring an injury, of course. Uh, you would think that the Bruins are going to depend heavily on both Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand as this season goes along. What will change for the two of them is the man that they are going to start the season playing with on the other wing. And the not-so-subtle hint from Bruce Cassidy and the rest of the Bruins' front office and coaching staff is that Anders Bjork, the rookie out of Notre Dame, will be given the chance to start up there, with Bergeron and Marshan at least to begin the season. And if you've watched this kid in the preseason, and if again, if you've heard what the coaches have said about him, that's no surprise. They really, really like this kid. Really, really like him. He's a, a college, he's about 21 years old, played in college for several years for a, a successful and a good program in Notre Dame. Uh, Boston College and Boston University fans got to know him pretty well. Notre Dame's a good hockey program now. Never used to be, but... Uh, now it's a very good hockey program. Uh, a big forward can really skate, very skilled, played against very high-level competition in college, doesn't need a ton of seasoning uh, in the minor leagues to make an impact. So you would think it's, it's going to be a challenge for this kid, for Bjork to get in there and, and kind of skate with the big boys, but they certainly think that he can do it if they're going to put him on a line with, with Bergeron and Marchand at the beginning of the season it, it's not unheard of to, uh, to to put a young guy with with you know with, with big level and, and your top lines and, and your more experienced forwards they can they can guide the kid along a little bit and, and, and put him in positions to, to, to make plays and they can cover some some mistakes that, that that young guys will tend to make so it's not unheard of for them to do this the Bruins just haven't done it and don't tend to do it with their forwards group very much they will put young guys on defense especially next to a guy like Sadano Chara. They did that in the playoffs last year with Charlie McAvoy and we'll get to him, certainly get to him a little bit later, but the Bruins don't tend to do this very often or maybe they just haven't had the chance to do it very often. Not since a guy like Tyler Sagan was in and and Tyler Sagan was you know thought to be such a high-level forward at that point with the Bruins before they traded him. So It's going to be interesting to see what they do or or what Bjork does on the top line with with two guys that will give him a ton of opportunities to be productive in Marchand and Bergeron. The second line or the second top six line will have David Krejci and most likely David Pasternak on it, the Czechoslovakian connection. These two guys played very, very well at times last season. They clicked together in the preseason. Pasternak spent a good deal of time when he got healthy on the Marchand and Bergeron line where he was productive. It would appear that they are good to go with uh, Krejci and Pasternak uh, playing on a line together. That makes a lot of sense because Krejci's game is much more facilitating than it is scoring. Pasternak is potentially the exact opposite. He is a scorer first and uh, I'll pass her later, Pot- Krejci, the exact opposite. So putting these guys together uh, makes an awful lot of sense when you think about the strength of the strengths of their game. As long as they are healthy, uh, again, you don't think there's a ton to worry about with those two guys. Uh, Pasternak had a uh, a somewhat lengthy contract dispute in the offseason. He would have been a restricted free agent. I think the following season, following year, if they didn't get that, that extension done, but they did get the extension done for Pasternak. Uh, so pasta's in there. No need to worry about his contract. Krejci is locked up and was locked up a little while ago. The only thing you wonder about this group is there. Both of these guys were, have been injury prone uh, and and pasta hasn't been, and you know, he hasn't been in the league that long, but he's missed some time. Krejci tends to get hurt every season and miss some time. So you wonder how long this group can kind of hold it together. Uh, if they can have the, uh, the, the, the resilience and, and the, you know, the ability to play in so many games that, that guys like Marchand and Bergeron seem to have. I mean, it never seems like Marchand and Bergeron are hurt for long stretches. I'm, I'm certain it has happened, but it, 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 you know, not since Bergeron got plowed into the board several years ago, has it happened and, and his ability to come back from, it's pretty remarkable. But, uh, it never seems like those guys are hurt for a, a ton of time. and um, So your hope your hope in, on, on that uh, Krejci and Pasternak line is that those guys can maintain uh, their levels of play and, and stay uninjured for a while. If, if they do, then they'll be productive. The guy that they are likely going to play with is Jake DeBrusk, who is also a rookie and has spent some time in Providence, a, a draft pick for the Bruins a couple of years ago. I think it was back in 2014 when they picked him. And it appears that DeBrusque is going to be the guy who plays next to Krejci and Pasternak. Here's another one of the young guns that the Bruins are going to ask to make a big contribution early. Uh, This guy has an NHL pedigree. His father played in the league for several years. He's been very productive as a scorer in Providence. The Bruins have thought highly of him for some time after they drafted him. And they drafted him pretty young. I'm pretty sure they drafted him him as an 18-year-old. So they've been patient with him. And, uh, but I guess not too patient because they want to bring him up now and put him on a second line. They obviously feels like feel like he's ready. So here's another young guy who they think is going to make a pretty big impact playing alongside Krejci and Pasternak. So those are your top six, your top two lines. Beyond the top six is where it gets very interesting. And I don't think anybody knows for certain Who's going to be in that top six, and what the line combos are going to look like? What we do know is that neither, you know, neither the third line or the fourth line are going to feature two young guys that may certainly be called up later in the year, but some thought we would make the team out of training camp. And those are Jacob of Forbe- Carlson, JFK, and Danton Heinen. Uh, neither guy makes the team straight out of training camp. They were both sent to Providence earlier this week. Both of these guys, you figure, are going to see time in Boston before the year is up, but neither will be on the opening day roster. So who does that leave? I'm actually going to jump to the fourth line for a second because I think we can safely assume that both Tim Schaller and Riley Nash are going to be on the fourth line. Uh, both of these guys were key penalty killers for the Bruins last season. They are big. They're defense defensively-minded first. Nash can score a couple of goals here or there if you get him going. But Nash, Nash especially was a valuable player for the Bruins last year. Uh, again, he, he can get you a couple of goals here or there, but he's much more valuable to them on the penalty kill and defensively. Uh, they're not afraid to go against uh, opponents' top lines and, and, again, throw their body around and get dirty. Schaller was a consideration to not make the team out of training camp, but the fact that they've sent so many young guys down and there's not that many bodies around, Uh, Right now, You would have thought that if if Schaller was not going to make the team that the Bruins would have cut him earlier than they did in order to get him another opportunity. Uh, The fact that he's still here, again, at 8.30 in the morning on uh, Tuesday, right before rosters are cut, makes me think that both him and Nash are going to be on the team and be on the fourth line. Now the open questions are who are they going to play with? And what is the third line going to look like? Because the third line is kind of way up in the air. There, there's a lot of different guesses as to what they're going to do. But I'll give you my best idea. I think Sean Corrales deserves a roster spot and probably should be on the fourth line with Schaller and Nash. And again, I could be wrong about this. I don't know what they're going to do with Sean Corrales. Um And again, if he goes to Providence, he I can say with almost near certainty... That he will see time as a Bruin this season A Boston Bruin that is, one way or another But if I were If I if I were Bruce Cassidy In the coaching staff I think Sean Corrales deserves the spot Here's a kid who came in Was on the roster all through the series against Ottawa last year, scored a few goals In that series Threw his body around, was not afraid to take on Some, some, some faster players Some bigger players uh, A guy that He's, you know, he's already proven in pressure spots can help this team I think Sean Corrales deserves a roster spot and should be uh, at least a consideration for that third or fourth line so he's a guy who's certainly in the mix and that leaves the third line if we say the fourth line is going to be Schaller, Nash and Corrales you've got a few guys for not as many roster spots on this third line um The most notable names to consider would be David Backus, Ryan Spooner, and Matt Bolesky. And barring any disaster, I think Backus is a pretty sure sure shot to make the roster. It's tough to say that, sure shot, but after you talk for a while. Backus is a a veteran presence, was an assistant captain last year, had a down season by his standards. A lot of people questioned that contract when it was signed. I wasn't necessarily one of them because I thought Backus could help this team. Uh, he certainly did have a down year. Um, they moved him around a lot on different lines. They moved him up with Krejci. They moved him up with, with Pasternak a couple of times. They moved him back. He had some injuries that slowed him. But I think Backus is going to make the team, either as a center or as a wing on that third line. Now, who plays with him? Again, I think they're going to give Matt Bolesky one more chance. I think Bolesky, by all accounts, has looked pretty good in the preseason. He's skated well. He's he's thrown his body around. He's I don't I, don't, you know, I haven't kept track for you know I'm sorry to say I, I haven't kept track of preseason stats, but I think he's been in the goal column uh, once or twice. I think the Bruins are going to give Matt Bolesky one more chance to prove that he deserves the contract that he got. And if he has another down season, don't be surprised to see that contract be be anesthesia and, and then them drop him. But uh, I think Bolesky's gonna get one more chance. And, you know, again, for if, if no other reason than the contract is pretty formidable, and you know, you, you, you wanna see if you can get value on it before you give up completely. So I think Bacchus and Bolesky get there. And if I'm gonna put two veterans on the third line, I might as well put a third one in. And I'll put Ryan Spooner there. And Spooner, it, the difference between Spooner and guys like Bacchus and Bolesky is that Spooner is still relatively young. It seems like we say his name every year um, in the Bruins lineup and you wonder if he's going to make the team, but he's not an old guy. I mean, I think he's only in his mid-20s. He's a guy who has certainly shown flashes before, but has never proven himself to be a, a top of a bonafide scoring threat. Uh, I mean, here's your chance. If, if you really have a rejuvenated Matt Bolesky next to you and you really have David Backus on the other side or in the center, I don't know where they'll they'll play these guys, but, uh, somewhere around you, there's going to be some opportunities for Ryan Spooner there. And again, you're not going to see this all season unless they click. And, you know, like I said, I, I certainly hope that they click. And generate scoring chance after scoring chance after scoring chance for the Bruins. But on paper, this is a line that could work. It's not the fastest line in the world. If Bolesky is skating better, that certainly helps. This is a line with veterans, big bodies. I mean, both Bacchus and Bolesky are pretty big. It's a line that that could generate chances if you don't if 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 you let them do it. Uh, but that's my projection as to how it's going to go. Now let's look at the defense. Uh, with the knowledge that they are probably going to keep seven or eight defensemen, because Tory Krug is going to start the season on uh, injured reserve, or on the injured list, after breaking his jaw in the preseason. He was skating yesterday. He may be closer to a return, but he's at least going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season. So they have an extra roster spot for a defenseman. Uh, started up front. Zidane Char is the captain. Not going anywhere. Has certainly lost a step over where he has been. He's not playing at the same level that he was, say, you know, six years ago when they won the Stanley Cup. But he's back. He's in from what could be his last hurrah as a Bruin. Uh, no reason not to give to, to give up this the C. Like I said, he, he's lost a step, but he's still a productive defenseman, especially on the penalty kill. He's still got a huge shot and can get it on net. He's still a big body on defense to help out his goalie. He's the captain. He's not going anywhere. The question is, who does he play next to? And most roster projections have him playing next to Brandon Carlo right now, who is another one of these young guns, although he was a a big factor last season for the Bruins. Another one of these young guys who the Bruins are going to count on for big minutes this season. Played pretty well as a a back-end defenseman at times. Struggled at other times but by the end of the season was playing some of his better hockey, was one of the better defensemen in the playoffs for the Bruins in the playoffs. And uh, so so most projections have Chara and Carlo at least starting the season off together. The other guy who is going to play an enormous role and I think maybe generating the most excitement out of anybody in the young gun ranks for the Bruins is Charlie McAvoy. And if you watched the playoffs last season, you understood why. Here is a guy who, quite frankly, has superstar written all over him. 19-year-old kid, moves the puck, skates extremely well, not afraid to be physical, a good passer, a good puck handler, a very good overall defenseman, and and seems like he was, I think, although I could be wrong, but I think game one of that series against Ottawa last year in the playoffs was his first NHL game if it wasn't then it was his like third or fourth because they were they only got him into a couple of games at the end of the year before that the kid looked like he had been there for years he just was terrific with the puck had great instincts and is going to be relied upon by the bruins as a top 2 in a top 4 defenseman in any event all season long and and again y- y- you can't really think of too many other young defensemen who the Bruins have brought up through the ranks who have generated more excitement than this guy uh, I could compare him to Bobby Orr that would be obviously unfair but uh, he is generating an awful lot of excitement and will be a big part of this Bruins team this season Beyond the three that I just talked about uh, Chara, uh, Carlo and uh, and Charlie McAvoy excuse me You've got two guys, two veterans who have been steady, if not solid and spectacular presences in the in the uh, in the defensive pairings, and Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid. Miller, I, I don't want to. I mean, I would, that would be unfair to call him your basic average run of the mill de- NHL defenseman. He's been a mainstay in the lineup for a few years. Has been prone to some breakdowns here or there. Uh, There have been fingers pointed at Kevin Miller for basically his entire Bruins career, but he has remained in that lineup for several years now. Uh, Again, a steady defensive presence, doesn't miss a ton of games, gives you minutes, gives you ice time. No reason not to think he's not going to be in there in some way, shape, or another. Could be starting the season playing with McAvoy on the second unit. Uh, The other guy, Adam McQuaid, a lot like... Miller, in that his Bruins career has been somewhat up and down, uh, but he's also the closest thing that the Bruins probably have to an enforcer in this lineup. Not afraid to dust it up and 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 you know drop the gloves and throw some punches with the other team. A solid, a big, rugged guy. They kind of missed him down the stretch last season. A lot of people said that. Uh, Tory Krug actually mentioned he really likes playing with Adam McQuaid. And that could certainly be your third or second defensive pairing if and when Crew gets back. He could be playing in the same uh, pairing as as McQuaid when they want to roll those lines. So both of those guys, in all likelihood, are going to be in your your defensive pairings one way, shape, or you know, one form or another. I think the the intrigue here comes with what are they going to do with the sixth spot and the seventh spot and maybe even the eighth spot in that lineup because there's three guys. maybe three roster spots at the beginning but again you're you're not going to dress everybody every night so at least one of these guys is going to be a healthy scratch pretty much every night Uh, maybe two depending on how many they want to keep. Again they've got an open spot because Krug will open the season on the injured list so they're going to have a spot for a couple of weeks. There's three guys that remain in camp uh, that that could be on this roster playing big minutes. Paul Postuma, Robbo Guerra, and Matt Grizzlick, and I had to look up how to, how to pronounce Matt Grizzlick's name. I, I, I admit it, but um, three guys, three different kinds of profiles. Paul Postma is a guy who they signed in the offseason. He's been in the NHL for a little while, has some experience under his belt, played fairly well in the preseason, scored a couple of goals for them. Uh, another kind of big, rugged defenseman, kind of in the mold of a Kevin Miller, although he's probably a better offensive threat than Miller. Um, again, you're, you're talking about a back three, back two defensive line, or defensive, uh, a defenseman here. So you're not expecting a ton from Pasma straight out. Rob Guerra actually broke camp with the Bruins last season. It, I don't, I don't personally remember that. That's how far along it was ago. He played three games with the Bruins and was sent down to Providence and spent the rest of the year in Providence with the team. But here's a guy who has hung on, and uh, battled himself out to the to to the very very end of camp, uh, and has made it difficult on on Bruce Cassidy to cut him. He's he sent a lot of guys out before him, and uh, another kind of bigger guy. Uh, I, I don't know too too much about Rob O'Gara, I confess, but uh, he's a guy who's been mentioned as as someone who could break camp with the team and again serve this team after a full season's worth of conditioning in Providence. Uh, over the long haul. I mean, he, he broke camp last year. The word was he, he he needed a little bit more seasoning in Providence before he could really help the Bruins, uh, the Boston Bruins, that is. Well, he's got that now, and so it wouldn't be surprising to see him get that spot. Grizzlick has been around a little bit. The Bruins signed him as a free agent last season, spent the majority of the year in Providence, but another young guy came up in the Devils organization and uh, was productive for Providence, has been very good in the preseason. So while it would not be surprising to see any or all of these guys make the roster, I would only expect that they're going to keep two out of those three. Um, They might keep all three because uh, Krug is, is, is injured. They might have room for all three of them, at least up front. At least one, if not two, of those guys if they keep all three are going to be healthy scratches because the the Boston top five, at least, defensemen seem pretty set, barring some injuries, with Krug being on the bench and when Krug comes back the top six are if everybody continues to be healthy and continues to play, the top six seem pretty well set for the Bruins. I mean, you're going to have Chara and Carlo, McAvoy and Miller, and then Krug and McQuaid I, I don't see much in the way of, of, of controversy there. The the intrigue in this roster is gonna be up front with the forward positions. So you know you can talk about pasma Ogera, and uh and Grizzlick all you want. I don't think all of these guys are gonna be there long term and when crew gets back you're gonna be looking at a completely different defensive defensive setup. So that's how the defense looks, it's a much stronger and much it, well, the one thing you can say about it is it, it's a much deeper position than it has been for the Bruins in the past and uh, you, know, you like where the defense is heading, especially with McAvoy in the lineup now for a full season. You don't need to say too much about the goalies on this team and I won't say too much about them because I've spent a lot of time talking about the others, Tuka Rask is your starter, They want to get him a little bit less work this season. He played 65 games last year. Bruce Cassidy thinks that's too many. Anton Hudobin remains the backup. They put Malcolm Subban on waivers yesterday, trying to sneak him back into Providence to play alongside Zane McIntyre down there. So Hudobin is going to be the backup, at least in the beginning. They're probably going to get him some starts early on in the season to see if he can establish himself. But as long as, as Tuca is there, he's the starter, and he's still one of the best in the NHL. So there's no real need to talk too much about the goaltenders here. It's pretty set. So as far as my thought on where the Bruins are going to be this year, I think the Bruins are going to be a better team overall than they were last year. The problem is the Eastern Conference remains fairly loaded. The Washington Capitals are very good again. Playoff struggles notwithstanding. They're going to be excellent again. The Pittsburgh Penguins are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They're going to be excellent again. The Montreal Canadiens, people think they're going to take a step back because they lost a couple of pieces. I still think they're going to be excellent again. They're still led by Carey Price, best goaltender in the Eastern Conference, some would say. Uh, They're going to be just fine. The Ottawa Senators are going to be very good again with Eric Carlson and the scheme that they run. Um... They're going to be excellent again. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a team that's on the come. Uh, Had the exact same number of points as the Bruins did last year, but the Bruins beat them at a tiebreaker for the the third spot in the East. A team on the rise and a team on the come. The, The Columbus Blue Jackets had a good season last year. At one point, won a ton of games in a row. I forget what it was. The point is the East is absolutely loaded. So you could very easily see the Bruins win... I don't know, three or four, five more games than they did last year, get into the hundreds and points, and not make a dent in the standings. Um, the one thing the Bruins are going to have to do better this year than they did last year is figure out how to beat Montreal and Ottawa. They were not good <clears throat> excuse me, against either team for throughout the majority of the, the regular season. They've really struggled with Montreal in recent years. Uh, they've got to figure out a way to do better with them. They do pretty well against the rest of the conference. They actually play uh, the Penguins and and the rest of that conference pretty tough, but um, so what am I projecting the Bruins are going to do? I think the Bruins are a playoff team again. Uh, I, I think they 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 are certainly an exciting team. They still have they have a, a, still have a lot of talent up front, a lot of veteran talent that can get them back there. Um, I'll pick them to get back to the playoffs. I'm going to pick them actually. I think in the exact same spot that I picked them last year. Only because I don't think it will be for a lack of of, uh, of effort or you know the the I actually think the Bruins could easily improve on what they did last year. I just think the East is very very stacked, and it's going to be tough to make a dent, a heavy dent into that conference, just because there's there's so many teams at the top. So I'll pick them to get back into the playoffs. I'm not going to pick them to win the Atlantic Division. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I would be a little surprised. I don't think they're as good as Montreal yet. I don't think they're as good as Ottawa yet. But I think they're getting there. And I think what you're going to see from from the Bruins this season is a huge influx of young talent. You're going to see a lot of guys in and out of that lineup uh, as Cassidy tries to to see who's going to stick and who's not. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun year for the Bruins. And I think they're definitely going to be worth watching. A couple of tips... Uh, if, if you're looking to kind of get into the get into hockey a little bit more, the Bruins have an excellent excellent web and app presence. Their app, the NHL kind of took control of, of of all the team apps a couple of years ago, but they didn't replace the folks that are covering them. So there's some good vet, there's some good articles on the Bruins app. Uh, if you go to the, if you download the NHL app and you select your, the Bruins as your favorite team, you'll get that coverage. Uh, great way to follow them. They have a very, very good social media presence as well. In fact, I'd venture to say that the Bruins' the Bruins' technological presence between social media, the app, and the website is the best out of any of the four teams in the Boston area. And quite frankly, I don't think it's very close. I think the Bruins do it better than, than pretty much anybody. So uh, good ways to get involved in the Bruins. Go to the app, go to the website, follow them on social media. Uh, they'll keep you posted on everything. There's a lot of good follows there. Joe McDonald is covering the Bruins this season for BostonSportsJournal.com. I know I have sung his praises before. I think he's an excellent, excellent, excellent writer and analyst. He was the Bruins beat writer for ESPN.com before he got laid off in that bloodbath of layoffs a few months ago. Greg Bedard very smartly picked him up and uh, made him the Bruins beat writer for uh, BostonSportsJournal.com. So get on there, subscribe if you can. Military members, by the way, you get free subscriptions to that. Uh, just contact Bedard and he'll hook you up with it. Uh, But uh, McDonald is a great, great, great follow for all things Bruins related. And uh, bostonsportsjournal.com will have some good stuff uh, throughout the season on the Bruins. So some good ways to get involved in the Bruins this season if you're looking to do it. And uh, enjoy the season. It starts on Thursday. So that's our show for today. Uh, Like I said, a ton of Bruins coverage today. Tomorrow we're going to do wall-to-wall Red Sox. Uh, We're going to talk ALDS. We're going to... Uh, talk about pretty much anything related to that series. And I expect we'll get into a prediction. We'll get into the matchups. We'll have better idea of what the uh, the lineups are going to be. And uh, we'll go wall-to-wall Red Sox with it. We'll try to get to the Patriots a little bit at the end to talk about the injury report. Didn't have time for that today. Not sure if we'll have time for that tomorrow. We may just roll that all into the, uh, the preview on Thursday for the game against the Buccaneers. But for now, this has been the Wicked Awesome Sp- Boston Sports Podcast and uh, enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. Make it a great day, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.